Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Okay, let's look at this logically here. I know everybody's blown up about the CDC thing. We saw it coming. We knew that it wasn't a new thing. We know how the enemy is going to vote on their own diabolical policies and recommendations, which again brings up the necessary point, I think, that the word recommendation, of course, over the last two years, two and a half years, has been completely perverted. These recommendations, of course, as we know, mean nothing. However, we've also seen what that word can do among numerous individuals who are in perceived positions of power. These individuals, again, don't understand words. So, a group like the CDC can make a recommendation all they'd like, and yes, we know how many school districts will react to this recommendation of forcing these bioweapon shots on children to either attend school or children who are six months old and older. Again, that's what. That's what the vote the other day was all about. Their little, whatever, intercompany policy vote. The next thing, of course, that's going to occur, which is probably occurring as I'm talking to you right now, or certainly going to by the time you hear this, is that they are simply going to vote away any chance that they have of being sued. Because that's what they have to do. They don't want to get sued, so all they'll do is just say, well, you can't sue us. Well. Okay. A military tribunal can take care of all of this rather swiftly, and we know that. But when you have 15 individuals who work for the CDC and make these recommendations, and they're not scientists, they aren't, they don't apply the scientific method, they don't look at proof, they don't, they don't do anything. They even, of course, asked the public to respond and submit their comments in a comment section, which I'm going to read here in just a minute, because as you would imagine, almost all of the comments say, don't do this, what are you doing, people are dying, etc., etc. But see, they don't care because they're not scientists. This is, this is how the enemy operates. Now let's look at this specifically from, first, a hospital standpoint. I am certain, and even Kim Carter has told me this very recently, that there are still numerous hospitals out there and nurses who are working in these hospitals where the administrations within these hospitals are not accepting exemptions of any kind. They just aren't doing it. They're not even accepting medical exemptions, let alone religious exemptions, for their nurses to not take these bioweapon shots. When you throw in a hospital that now is it's recommended again but these hospital administrators are going to ultimately vote on whether or not to give these shots to a number of different individuals in particular of course children 6 months and older um they're going to have some serious decisions to make and the question that sort of i don't know i i would say hovers over all of this is do they want that fight all over again are these the kinds of individuals who are 100% fine making work for themselves, creating actual problems out of thin air for themselves to then just impose on countless other people? The answer is yes. I think the answer is yes. These people love making work for themselves. They love making trouble for themselves. They don't learn from the past, the vast majority anyway. And I can see them rolling this out. The question then becomes, of after the rollout of these bioweapon jabs among six-month-olds and older, who's actually going to be taking them? Again, let's stay in the hospital vein here for just a minute. Who's, who's going to be actually taking these? Because the, the already jabbed cannot reproduce. And if they do, their children are being born with abnormalities. So if they give them COVID jabs six months in to being born, the children will die. So we can expect 
another rollout in the future of sudden infant death syndrome. We can expect to see the posters. We can expect to see the billboards. We can expect to see the pamphlets, the flyers, all of that stuff. That will come back if it, if it never even left in the first place. But it will certainly come back. But again, this, the silver lining here for, for this scenario, and I know it's maybe tough to, tough to see it and tough to figure this out, because we're still talking about the collateral damage that's, of course, occurring as a result of all of this. I mean, people are still dying as I'm sitting here talking to you about all of these, all these shots. It's, it's still happening. And K-12 school children are still dying because their parents gave them, you know, forced this on them because, again, they think it helps. The silver lining from the hospital aspect is the hospital system will continue to collapse. More people will continue to walk away from these hospital systems. And the unjabbed parents who are capable of having children will seek out midwives and independent entities to facilitate the childbirthing process without drug intervention. This is a good thing. In fact, I've made this suggestion, I believe, before. I'll make it again. All of these nurses, if they still have the necessary licensure and, and whatever else, would do well to communicate with one another about setting up their own, again, nursing operation of some kind. I know this is easier said than done, and I don't want to come off as being uh, callous or you know, telling people what to do with their time and energy. But there's a need here, and there's a gap that needs filling, and that gap is an independent organization run by nurses who are unjabbed, who want to help, like basically what Kim Carter is even doing, who want to help people with a variety of things without, again, drug intervention or whack job doctors who are triple jabbed and wearing masks. That's the silver lining, I think, from the hospital aspect regarding this CDC recommendation and the further calamity that is going to occur within these hospital administrations. They're doing themselves in, and they don't even know it. Again, it's the Zutzwang chess move. They've been backed into a corner. They have to decide, and almost regardless now of what they decide, they have still lost. The game is over. We're sitting on the other side of the chess table over here. We can see the entire board, for the most part. We knew that a vote like this would come down. We knew that they wanted it on, on K-12 school children. We knew that they wanted it on infants and newborns. None of that's really new. We knew that. So, we knew they were going to do it, and they did it. But let's just go back in time just a little bit to examine what's occurred now specifically within K-12 education. So I'm shifting gears away from the hospital avenue, and now I'm into K-12 education. Let's examine what they've done with that. They forced the masks on people. There were people who went along. Keeping in mind, this entire time, there have been parents who did not go along. There were parents who just did not comply. They said, no, we're not doing this. And they left permanently. They left the American K-12 school system permanently. Same thing in higher education. I'll cover higher education in just a little bit, but first let me, let me stay in the K-12 vein here. The poor decision-making when it came to everybody go home, we'll teach you online, we don't know what we're doing in an online environment as instructors because we haven't been formally instructed and, and most of us have no idea what we're doing anyway. So that was the mentality of, of American K-12 school boards. That was the mentality of administrators and school teachers. Keep in mind, if anything went bad, we'll just blame the pandemic. If, if we lose money or we lose enrollment, we'll just blame the pandemic. So if we, if we trip and fall on our face, it's the pandemic's fault. Uh, if I start choking, it's the pandemic's fault. 
So, so the the excuse making is is not going to go away, and it ha- and it of course started immediately back in 2020. We have to close down because of the pandemic. Uh, we're, we're going to do a slow rollback into the schools because of the pandemic. So they brought the masks in, and then what happened with the masks? People complied, and people flipped out. Two completely polar opposite examples of what was going on. And then, of course, you had the people in the middle, every now and again, who hated the masks but sent their kids anyway and consistently just sent their kids into that buzzsaw anyway. And then the medical exemptions, the religious exemptions, the legal fights, the medical bills, the medical doctors, on and on and on. Then, excuse me, the school board meetings. All of the school board meetings having to do with the masks, all the school board meetings having to do with, well, some of, some of which had to do with the jabs, most, most didn't, but most of them were about masks. Those, those blew up in, in school board members' faces uh, like, like something that blows up. I mean, it just it blew up in front of them, and they had no idea what to do. They would just continu- continuously vote for their own problems because they're not thinking people, and they would re-implement their mask wearing over and over and over again. And then in February of 2022, in the blink of an eye, Almost every school district eliminated the mask wearing across the nation, along with city councils and so on and so forth. After lots of legal pressure, lots of public pressure, being made fun of publicly, privately, on social media, etc., etc. Ask the exact same question now to American K-12 school boards that you would hospital administrators. Do, do American K-12 school districts really want the fight again. Do they really want to bark up this tree one more time? Because it will invite the exact same response that they got before, except time has passed now. And this right here is where you can insert exactly what I have said on this show, which is you're going to have people This is the open door here for this. You're going to have people showing up at school board meetings talking about their jab-injured and jab-dead friends, families, and colleagues. This is the open door for that. It's inevitable. I said it was inevitable approximately a year ago. I said this is going to happen. This is going to be the next thing that comes down the pipeline. This CDC decision recommendation, quote-unquote, is the open door for that. This is going to hit a level of public awareness that no one's going to be able to avoid. So my recommendation is that you start arming yourselves if you're still going to be going to these school board meetings or you're still attending these environments, which, I, I again, I don't recommend you do. I recommend homeschooling clearly. Live a healthier life away from away from this war and certainly shield your children from this battlefield because it's a war and this is the battlefield and we don't need children on the battlefield. You can educate children, excuse me, you can educate children about the war and the battlefield and you should. Sit them down, have a nice big dinner, talk about it at the dinner table as to what's going on and what's going, to, what's going to go on and continue to go on here. If you're going to attend these school board meetings, you need to arm yourself now with the facts about how the shots are killing those who take them. What you also should do, in my opinion, so here's my recommendation, is that now you need to arm yourself with more facts than just the COVID jabs. That you should do well to do the same thing with the flu shots the Tdap shots, all of these shots. Educate yourself on the poisonous nature and the fallacy of the story that surrounds all of these shots when it comes to having to take these shots in order to attend a K-12 school. Now, many states offer religious and medical exemptions away from all shots. 
You have, ladies and gentlemen, fully unvaccinated children attending American K-12 public schools every single day across this nation. They have medical exemptions, they have religious exemptions, and, and the school district takes them in. Which leads me then to my next point about K-12 schools. K-12 schools have no problem shooting themselves in the foot. They do it all the time, and they're going to do it again. And they're going to do it again when it comes to any recommendation that they make regarding these COVID shots in order to attend, because not just the verbal and physical blowback that they will receive from parents, again, hopefully running up to the microphones and educating the entire room about how viruses aren't real and these are just poisons, and that all people are really doing when they inject themselves with things is poisoning themselves to death. Make it very simple, make it blunt, bring up the, bring up the history and the virology lie. Be prepared with all of this. However, American K-12 schools aren't thinking about how they're going to lose more students. And right now, when you talk about a precipice of some kind, which is a word, of course, that has been thrown around, and I fully understand it because it has, I mean, you can fit it into endless scenarios and endless lines of work regarding the war that's going on right now. But American K-12 schools and higher education right now is at an absolute precipice. They are dangling on the edge of a cliff. There's no rope attached to them. They have no parachute, nothing. If they fall off the cliff, they're, they're finished. They don't want to lose any more students than they've already lost. They will financially be ruined. In fact, levies won't even fix the problem because the buildings will start to empty. And then, of course, there's the ever-present variable of the already jabbed students who are already attending. See, they'll continue to get sick. They'll continue to pass away, unfortunately. And then the school numbers and the, the, the number of students within these schools will consistently decline. You've heard me say, again, it's the snowball that's been pushed down the hill. There are multiple snowballs, though. It's not just one snowball. Multiple snowballs have been pushed down the hill. They're all heading in the same direction. And they're just getting bigger with time. That's the ever-present snowball, of course, the ones that are already jabbed. The staff members, the students, etc., etc. They're already there. Many of them, I would say psychologically, are really going to enjoy the recommendation because it will justify their participation in taking the shots themselves in the first place. Now that's deranged, but look who we're dealing with here. I mean, look at the kinds of people we're dealing with. We're dealing with people who injected themselves with a biological weapon that they don't know is a biological weapon for which they can't name a single ingredient, and they did it at least twice. So we're not talking about thinking people. We're talking about brainwashed, reactionary people. And that's the future of American K-12 education is its complete collapse. It's complete and utter collapse. It's already happening. This recommendation has already started an emotional outburst among parents that, again, is a giant, it's like taking a giant boulder and throwing it right into the middle of a pond. The ripple effect that's going to occur is the same ripple effect that happened back in 2020, in March and April of 2020. Today, again, as a result of the CDC's recommendation, I am positive that there are already endless parents who are emailing superintendents, school boards, and building administrators, probably even county health departments. And they're saying, if you recommend or force or mandate, whatever word you want to use, make mandatory these COVID shots for K-12 students to have in order to show up 
we're going to leave your school system. This is already happening. I guarantee that those emails are already going out. Today, this week, again, the end of this week, these American K-12 school systems continue to shoot themselves in the foot and are making more problems for themselves than they have ever had before in the history of their existence. You talk about you talk about a cleanup mess. I mean, you're talking this is this is more than spilled milk in aisle 5. The entire supermarket is flooded now. Because the only reason that you're seeing that kind of a response, and the only reason that that kind of a response is already occurring among parents and other individuals in the area with threatening to remove their children from these school systems, is because of the way that the American K-12 school systems handled this in the first place back in 2020. If they'd handled it logically back then, then there would be no outrage right now. There's only outrage now because parents are learning what American K-12 school systems are willing to do. They're willing to tell these children again to wear a mask, wear two masks, social distance, stick your arms out in front of each other when you're standing in a line to make sure that you're at least an arm's length apart, carry around see-through plastic shields all day long, to put them up in front of your desks to isolate yourselves like a little zombie or like you're an insect in a bug zoo. And do this all day long for at least a year and a half. All of that programming and all of that child abuse is what's leading to the emotional reaction that we're seeing now regarding these CDC recommendations. So let's not lose let's not lose sight of the actions of the past is my point. Let's always look back at 2020 and the way that everybody reacted back then. Because again, I fully understand there's a great deal of individuals, and I tend to agree, who, who will say that there's no way that American K-12 schools would do this again because they don't want the problems again. I agree with that, and many won't. Many won't comply. Look at what the state of Florida has done. Again, that's a, that's a good thing. That doesn't mean that there won't be some outlying school districts within the state of Florida who will still try to tell parents that they need to, that they need to have their children take these shots. And they'll use the word recommend. Well, it's not mandatory because that's against the law, and we don't want to break the law here, so all we're going to do is we're just recommending but you're still allowed to come here. These are already unhealthy environments too because of the shedding that's taking place. And we're not really even into the fall yet. I mean, yes, it's, you know, it's October and coming to the end of October, but we haven't changed the clocks back yet. It's not November, you know. There are still people who are out and people who are getting sick and absences and lacks of substitutes and so on and so forth. They're already creating all of these problems already by themselves. When you take a CDC recommendation like the one that just got made, they're having to, uh, again, American K-12 schools are having to react in a way that they've never reacted before. So my recommendation would be, again, to focus on county health departments also. Because American K-12 schools will do what county health departments want done. And if county health departments say, we recommend as a board that you vote to make these mandatory, how do you think American K-12 school boards are going to react to that? They're going to have some serious decisions to make. See, they became school board members because they thought it'd be nice and fun and easy. I like education. I like students. Maybe I'm a pedophile, but you know what? We're going to get some things done here. This is going to be fun for us, and I, I really enjoy this. They have no idea what's about to show up and the decisions that they're going to have to make, and then the blowback that's going to occur as a result of whatever decision they make. Because even the left eat themselves. And that's already happened regarding the mask wearing. It was the leftist parents, the leftist 
school board members and school teachers who were coming up to the microphones and speaking out in board meetings saying, don't take away the masks. If I want to wear a mask or my kid wants to wear a mask, they should be able to wear a mask if they want to and blah, blah, blah. And there are still students who walk around wearing masks because they're not well in the head. And they, of course, are a reflection of their parents who are not well in the head. But now, I'm telling you, the silver lining in this also, and here it is, and it's as obvious as a flashlight right in your eyeball. The ripple effect of homeschooling and pulling your children out permanently. That's already occurred. It's already happening now. Not just email recommend, you know, emails being sent to board members and saying, if you vote this way in the future, we're pulling them out. There are emails happening right now where they're saying, the CDC just did this today, made this recommendation. I'm not even going to wait around for how you're going to reply. I'm pulling my children out now. We are done with your system. We are done with government. And they're homeschooling them right now. That's happening as I'm talking to you. This is, an, uh, again, imagine a shoreline and these waves of truth and, and poor decision-making just keep eroding this, this shoreline of corruption. It's just blowing it away one wave at a time, knocking it down. More people are seeing it. And it's coming closer and closer to individuals' families. And it's forcing individuals again into a corner where they're going to be forced to make a move. Now, again, as I said earlier, and then I'm going to stop with this rant, but this is where the collateral damage comes into play. Because there will be parents who will jab their children to death with these shots to make it look like they're ahead of the curve or they are complying or whatever it may be. That's already happening right now. They're saying, well, see, the CDC just recommended it. All right, Billy, you're four years old now. Time to get you to the doctor's office and get that COVID jab. And then Billy's going to go there and he's going to get a shot in his arm and then Billy's going to die. That's the way that that's going to work. So it almost doesn't matter what the CDC does. We have to look into the past to recognize and remember how these other organizations take these recommendations from government entities and private entities like the CDC, and then how do they respond and react? So we know what they're going to do. And this, again, proves my point about, and other people's points, about the civil war that's taking place. This is the war. This is the civil war that's going on right now. It's going on among school board members, between parents and school board members, nurses and their administrators, doctors and their administrators, inter-hospital employees, lawyers, judges, law enforcement, military, etc., etc. It's happening between and inside these places of employment that we believe we've needed our whole life. And it turns out we don't need them. We don't need these places. But if you play their games, they make you dependent on them. That's why all the hospitals are filled with jabbed people who are sick and dying. Because now those individuals are lifelong members of the medical industry and are going to be. So it's messy. All of this is messy, but that's because it's war. And that shouldn't shock anyone. That's war. So my recommendation, again, is to put the emotions aside for a minute, examine what's going on here, make rational moves about what's occurring, understand this is another move that's purposefully being done to collapse the American K-12 school system. I do not believe, however, although I can understand this point, but I do not believe that this is a quote-unquote part of the Great Reset. I do not believe that the American K-12 school system is being destroyed on purpose by the, enemies, by the enemies here. I think that they know that they're contributing to it, but they don't, they don't have 
the power. They don't have the manpower. They don't have the boots on the ground, so to speak. They don't have the energy to destroy it and then rebuild it into the degenerate circus that they want it to be. That's why we're seeing the degenerate circus in K-12 education right now. In all its forms, the sex, the curriculum, the lying, all of it. That's, that's why we're seeing what we're seeing. We're seeing what they, what they will do or want to do. But it all boils down to butts in seats and money in their pocket. And if they don't have the people in their buildings, they cannot exist. So just in summary, again, this giant recommendation, quote-unquote, is, is a, it's a big silver lining here. The door has been opened for more public release in school board meetings and emails and a thousand other ways of communicating that's going to show the American public that people are dying from these shots. It will not be hidden the way that it has been in the past. It's, it's too obvious now because, again, it's everywhere. It was even trending on Twitter the other day. It was the second, second subject down. It was hashtag stop the shots. For all the leftist goons that are on Twitter, they, they see that. They all see that. It's a giant punch in the face. They have to be able to look at that and go, wait a minute, stop the shots. What are you talking about? What's going on with the shots? This is just a battle that American K-12 school administrators don't want. They don't want. They, they don't want this. It doesn't mean that they're going to be smart and avoid it. They will quite literally take this on. Many of them will take this on. They'll say, well, that's it. CDC recommends it. We've talked with our local health departments. They recommend it. So now we're recommending it. But whether or not it becomes a mandatory thing, that's up to state law. The CDC does not get to decide state law. They're not a law-making entity. And I know what people's response to that is. Well, yeah, of course they're not, Sean, but look at what, you know, look at what happened with all the recommendations regarding the masks and the distancing and everything else. I fully get it. But the shot is something different. In fact, this was something that just came across the screen just a few days ago. There are endless school districts all across the United States who are going broke, literally going broke, hence all the levies, because of the legal fees that they as school board members are having to pay their lawyers who work for the school district because the school district lawyers have been battling parents in court regarding everything that's taking place here. Mask wearing, shot recommendations, distancing, the abuses that have taken place this entire time, the medical bills from hurt children, etc., etc. They are quite literally paying their lawyers more money than what they have. You'd think they'd learn. They're not gonna. But many of them will, and many of them won't. It's just another green flag and another green light go to pull your children out permanently, and to homeschool them. If they can read and they can write, they can teach themselves. That's it. And it's not a nine-to-five thing. Learning is just learning. That's it. We do it every day, all day long. Hell, here, here's a thought. Have your children listen to this podcast. I apologize for the cursing from time to time, but, you know, profane times call for profane language from time to time. So if they can handle the occasional bad word from a competent adult, in particular if they're in high school, have them listen to this. Because they will learn about what's going on in the world, and there is no more valuable education than that. Now let me read just a couple of these emails and public submissions that were sent to the CDC for their alleged doctors to read. Here's the first one. It says, comment from anonymous. It says, quote, why has our government committed itself to continuing these jabs 
which are causing people to die in their sleep as well as in public. Young people, athletes as well, not to mention the devastating side effects they are causing, question mark. Here's the next one. This is also from someone calling themselves anonymous. It says, quote, this COVID vaccine should never be mandated for children. They are not at high risk for this disease. Natural immunity far outweighs any COVID vaccine, and the vaccine does not even stop transmission. Therefore, this absolutely should never be mandated, unquote. Here's another one. And they're all like this. Every single one of these public comments, and there's over 1,390 of them, as I'm looking at this right now, uh, they, they all say the exact same thing. Here's the next one. It says, how dare you even consider adding this to the vaccine school list with all the adverse effects and knowing it does nothing to prevent the virus? I have lost all respect for the CDC and will never get a vaccine again or listen to any recommendations from the CDC. You're all corrupt monsters, unquote. Again, every single comment is like that, but these are not scientists. They're bureaucrats. That's all. They're just paid. They're all paid. And you have to keep that in mind. So they can make the recommendations they want. It'll filter its way down to the local level. And then, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to have a decision to make. Do you want to get back in the fight, or do you want to pull your children out, protect them, and walk away permanently? That's about it. But again, this isn't some great reset where they plan on destroying the indoctrination center that they've put all this money and effort into, only to then rebuild it worse than what it was before. God willing, it will never be rebuilt. God willing, it will just be destroyed by their own hand, and it will cease to exist for the rest of eternity. Again, look at what's happening at the university level now. Let me, let me shift gears briefly to the university level. Less and less students are attending college, which I've covered here. I've been over those statistics. We've been over those stories. It's been, it's been covered. The college campuses don't match the eyeball test when it comes to enrollment. Less and less students again in 2020 and 2021 returned to colleges because they were forcing the jabs on people and forcing the masks. They're getting sick. They're dying. This continues to be a thing. This continues to happen. However, with any CDC recommendation in particular like this, now for K-12, for K-12 students, so to speak, and certainly six-month-old all the way to five years old, does this mean that the mandates are going to be lifted or the mandatory jab-taking, so to speak, among university officials in particular, again, incoming students and or staff members, does it mean that that's going to go away? No, it won't. They're going to keep those in place, is, is my guess. Even with the low enrollment, even with all the bad policy, even with them shooting themselves in the foot in a rowboat in the middle of the ocean, even with all of that, they're still going to keep in place the very policy that is leading to their own destruction. And the CDC's recommendation has just fortified that decision-making for them, because now they're saying to themselves, well, the CDC recommends it for minors, and minors don't attend college, but we want to make sure that everybody who comes here has had it, so they're going to have to prove that they've had it, and hopefully within a generation or so, I mean, this is what they're thinking, they're saying to themselves, hopefully in a generation or so, we can remove these mandates because by then everybody will have had it. What they don't know is that a generation from now, everybody who has had it will be handicapped or dead. So no one's going to be attending these universities and colleges. But they don't see that. They don't know that. They aren't, they aren't paying attention to any of this, certainly not right in front of their face, let alone down the line. I mean, they just aren't making these connections. So they're finished too. But again, the CDC's recommendation just justifies the university's already existing policies as far as they are concerned. I'm certain of it. I'm certain they're already thinking of that. 
Here's another um, avenue very briefly that I want to mention, of course, and it and I'm I'm shifting away slightly from the jabs, but uh, I still have other things that I want to bring up regarding it just briefly, is that on local elections here in this upcoming midterm, and I'm going to get into the midterms also a little bit in this episode in just a few minutes, but there are county taxes, not school levies. Those are those are on the ballots also across the nation, but there are county taxes and county levies that are being implemented on these ballots for people to vote on also. That's indicative of them running out of money. So what did they do with all that CARES Act money? What did all these government agencies do with all that? And why are they now attempting to tax residents of counties across the United States so that they can just get more of their own money? The entire thing is remarkably corrupt. I know that's the uh, obvious statement of the year, but keep keep an eye out on on whatever it is that you're actually voting for because on my local ballot in the county where I live that's one of the issues that's on there there's another issue that's on there too and it's whether or not the state of Ohio should allow illegals to vote that's an actual issue on the ballot this coming November whether or not it should be allowed for those who are non-citizens to vote. There's also an age restriction in there too. It says, you know, do you approve of, and of course they, it's the old reverse language that they use on a lot of these ballots, but um, in fact, let me bring it up right here real quick and I'll just, I'll read it to you because it's funny and sad. Uh, This is issue two and it says the following, quote, to prohibit local government from allowing non-electors to vote. So the proposed constitutional amendment, which is usually a bad thing when they have to amend the state constitution, it says proposed by joint resolution of the General Assembly to amend Section 1 of Article 5, this is in the state of Ohio, Section 3 of Article 10, and Section 3 of Article 15, 16, 17, 18 of the Constitution of the state of Ohio, a majority yes vote is necessary for the amendment to pass. It says, quote, the proposed amendment would require that only a citizen of the United States who is at least 18 years of age and who has been a legal resident, legal resident, and registered voter for the last 30 days can vote at any state or local election held in this state. And then it says, prohibit local governments from allowing a person to vote in local elections if they are not legally qualified to vote in state elections. If passed, the amendment will be effective immediately. Yes or no. Now, what whack job in their right mind would want illegals voting in the state of Ohio? Leftists. It's just leftists. So I just wanted to make mention of that because I know that that is a thing that is going on that is certainly going to be on numerous ballots across the United States. And I would encourage people to find their ballot right now on the internet, uh, you know, print it out, read it carefully, do some, do some homework on these people, do some digging on these judges, figure out where they stand on particular things. Fill, fill out the fake ballot, take screenshots of it with your cell phone, and then when you go and vote, you know exactly what you're voting for. Uh, okay, let me shift gears slightly here. I found this article, and it's written by Dr. Joseph Mercola, and it, he wrote it and published it just the other day. And it's titled, Mass Monitoring, A Digital Dictatorship on the Horizon. This is interesting because this directly ties into something that's actually already happening, and it's, it's happening rather consistently with my own dad, which is funny. Uh, and he thinks it's, of course, ridiculous because he's based and he knows what's going on. But his insurance company, medical insurance company, consistently is reaching out to him to see if he is willing to have an at-home visit of one of their employees or something to show up, do an assessment, of of him, which ultimately, of course, leads to higher insurance costs. So there are these at-home insurance visits, again, 
that are all designed to digitize everything that is going on with the individual, certainly jab them to death. That pretty much goes without saying. But the insurance agencies are doing this, of course, to just make more money and be more intrusive, and then, of course, upload all of this onto a machine so that any of these individuals who are in charge of premiums and XYZ can see all of this information. And, of course, once they hook, a gullible person. They consistently return and, you know, they just keep showing up and jabbing them until they're dead or telling them that there's something wrong with them, uh, you know, in, until they start taking more and more pharmaceutical drugs. It's just like when people receive these boxes in the mail from their insurance companies that tell them to poop in the box. All you have to do is poop in this bag, stick it back in this box, no postage necessary, and then take your box of poop and stick it right back in the mailbox, put that red flag up, and then that mailman, that, that poor, poor mailman, is going to be collecting boxes of shit. Human shit. And then those boxes of shit make their way back to the insurance company where they allegedly do a test on it, to see if you have colon cancer or if you're dying. And then you end up receiving some very scary letter in the mail that says you're dying and thank you for sending us your box of shit, but uh, we've tested it and you're dying. And then that person believes it and then they run to their doctor and all hell breaks loose. And before you know it, they've ruined their day. All for nothing. It's just another step, again, to digitize everything and take unnecessary information and put it on your medical records and bleed you dry. So here's what this says. It says, quote, A little over a year ago, President Biden proposed a plan to set in place a new health agency to drive the U.S. down a futuristic road that would lead to cures for cancer, Alzheimer's, diabetes, and other diseases. At the time, investigative journalist Whitney Webb, author of One Nation Under Blackmail, warned that the new biomedical research agency, modeled after the nation's Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, DARPA, actually is a plan to merge national security with health security in a way that would use both physical and mental health warning signs, quote-unquote, to prevent outbreaks of disease or violence before they occur. Minority Report with Medicine uh, it continues. It says, according to Webb, quote, such a system is a recipe for a technocratic pre-crime organization with the potential to criminalize both mental and physical illness as well as wrong think, unquote. Uh, it then says this, ARPAH, a high-risk research agency. It says that agency, formerly named the Advanced Research Projects Agency for Health, ARPAH-H, is now well on its way to being the being and up and running with a $1 billion budget from Congress to start. Public Law 117-103 was enacted March 15th of 2022, which authorized its establishment within the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. DHHS, under the National Institute of Health, NIH. Government officials only need to iron out details such as what programs and activities it will engage in and, of course, what appropriate, quote-unquote, current and future findings will be needed to run it. ARPAH seems to fit hand-in-glove with Biden's September 12, 2022 Executive Order on Advancing Biotechnology and Biomanufacturing Innovation for a Sustainable, Safe, and Secure American Bioeconomy, which essentially establishes a fast-tracked pipeline for transhumanist dream projects. It says specified in... That order is the development of genetic engineering technologies and techniques to be able to write circuitry for cells and predictably program biology in the same way in which we write software and program computers, unquote, as well as genetic technologies to, quote, unlock the power of biological data using computing tools and artificial intelligence. Additionally, obstacles for commercialization 
will be reduced so that innovative technologies and products can reach markets faster. ARPA-H is a tailor-made vehicle for fast-tracked, read poorly tested, read poorly tested, and incredibly dangerous biomedical research like DARPA. ARPAH will focus on high risk, high reward research. And that's going to get a lot of people killed because it's already happening. Just a little more here. It says task force calls for psych screening all adults. Yikes. In related news, it says the U.S. Preventative Services Task Force, an independent panel of expert appointed of experts appointed by the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality, an agency within the Department of Health and Human Services, is recommending that all U.S. adults age 65 and younger should be screened for mental health issues. Come to my door and ask me if I have a mental health issue. I dare you. Uh, it continues, it says, is this a forerunner for Webb's prediction of how the government will detect mental health pre-crimes? Question mark. The task force is accepting public comments on the proposal until October 17th of 2022. So they've already stopped. Wonder how that went. Health and biowarfare have become increasingly entwined. This is the last section. It says the following, quote, while we often think of military defense and public health as two very different areas of concern, the two have over the years merged to a significant extent, which in some way helps explain why the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is now acting in ways that can, be best, that can best be described as a covert war against the health of the American public. It says in June of 2002, President Bush signed the Biodefense for the 21st Century Directive the aim of which was to advance a comprehensive framework for U.S. biodefense based on the assumption that America could be devastated by a bioweapons attack. The directive outlined essential pillars, quote-unquote, for the U.S. biodefense program, including threat awareness and vulnerability assessment, prevention and protection, surveillance and detection, response and recovery. In 2002, the Bush administration quintupled biodefense spending to $317 million, and the following year that budget ballooned to $2 billion. Bush also earmarked another $6 billion for the department for the development rather and stockpiling of vaccines over the next decade. The man selected by Vice President Dick Cheney to oversee the spending of much of this vast amounts of cash was Dr. Anthony Fauci. Director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease, NIAID, since 1984. In 2003, Fauci's professional responsibilities were explained to include all civilian biodefense research, both classified and unclassified, and the development of medical countermeasures against terrorist threats from infectious diseases, and all without oversight. For all these years, he's had carte blanche to approve and run whatever biodefense research he wanted without anyone telling him otherwise, unquote. Yikes. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're interested in watching Robert Kennedy Jr.'s uh, documentary based on his book about Anthony Fauci, you can still watch it for free. I will link that in the description below. All you have to do Get on this website, you type in your first name, your email address, and then you hit the yellow button which says click to watch. And there it is. It's about an hour and a half long. It's very, very good. In fact, if I don't mind saying, it's interesting because it includes, um, I'll get his name, Peter McCullough. It includes Peter McCullough and, and Robert Malone. And yet, the information that is divulged in this documentary actually contradicts what those two believe, which is awesome. Um, they cover in depth, as I've even mentioned here on the show and, and linked the, the uh, previous documentary, The Virology Lie, which is on BitChute, that HIV is not real. And that HIV does not cause AIDS. 
that HIV, again, not being a real thing, has nothing to do with a compromised, a permanently compromised immune system that came uh, that came around as a result of individuals poisoning themselves with drugs, alcohol, inhalants, a variety of things, and then of course taking AZT. And AZT was the thing that killed AIDS patients. All of this is covered in this documentary very well. And the journalist who you will see in this documentary, the female journalist, she's, she's been at the forefront of this HIV lie for a very long time. But it's very well done, and I highly recommend it. Okay, again, I will link that in the description below. Uh, here's the next thing. I think this ties in, frankly, to what we've been discussing in this episode, which is why I have it right here. Ask yourself whether or not this sounds good, or this sounds like a good idea. Uh, this came from the Epoch Times just the other day also, and it is titled, Texas Schools Handing Out DNA Kits to Parents to Help Identify Kids in Emergencies. See, if you can get them as a kid, and you can harvest their DNA, and you can get their medical records through a school, Ladies and gentlemen, they're setting the stage for this kind of stuff. I mean, they're setting the stage to track and monitor your child's medicine, everything about your child medically, within the American K-12 school system, not to mention, where's that DNA going? Now, of course, even though it is Texas law, apparently, you, you don't have to abide by this. You can, you can opt out, apparently. But here's what it says. Rather quick article. It says, quote, Texas public schools will soon be sending students home with DNA and fingerprint identification kits in an effort to help parents identify them in case of an emergency. Again, this can be interpreted a lot of ways. A lot of ways. Again, what are you planning on? Are you planning on these children going missing? Are you planning on inoculating them yourself? And again, where's the DNA going exactly? It continues, it says approximately 3.8 million students in Texas are expected to bring home a kit, ABC 13 reported, with some schools set to begin distributing them as early as this week. The decision comes following Senate Bill 2158 that was passed by the Texas State Legislature in spring in the spring of 2021 and which requires the Texas Education Agency to quote provide identification kits to school districts and open enrollment charter schools for distribution to the parent or legal custodian of certain students according to the bill the agency should provide inkless dna kits that can be carried out at home and only at the request of the parent or legal custodian of any kindergarten, elementary, or middle school student. The kits will enable parents or guardians to hold onto their child's DNA and fingerprint information at home, and then provide it to law enforcement agencies in an emergency situation such as a shooting. This is... <laughs> This is this is so nefarious and confusing. It continues. It says the kits are not mandatory, meaning parents can decline them. Well, isn't that nice? The legislation states that the kits are intended for parents to submit DNA results to federal, state, tribal, or local law enforcement to help local I'm sorry, to help locate and return a missing or trafficked child. My God. It continues. It says, kits help locate missing children, do they? Texas lawmakers passed the bill after eight students and two teachers were shot and killed at a Santa Fe, Texas high school by 17-year-old Demetrios Poragosis, no chance I got that right, in May of 2018. However, the rollout of the kits also comes in the wake of a mass shooting at Robb Elementary School. Oh, there you go. Many of the bodies of the children who were shot inside Robb Elementary 
were not easily identifiable because of their catastrophic injuries. It actually says all this crap. Oh my. Problem solution, ladies and gentlemen. Hegelian dialect all over again. All over again. Ugh. The old Rob Elementary yarn. No one died there. It was fake. It continues. It says the kits will start being distributed this week in the Houston Independent School District. Eyes on Houston. Eyes on Houston. Houston, we have a problem. wonder if there's going to be a false flag in Houston now. Um, the largest in the state. With a number of other districts, including Clear Creek ISD, already informing parents that they are available, the Houston Chronicle reported. Democratic, Democrat you mean, gubernatorial candidate Beto O'Rourke, old Bobby, took aim at the kit distribution plan and Republican Governor Greg Abbott on Twitter on October 17th. Quote, this is Greg Abbott's Texas, O'Rourke wrote. More school shootings than any other state on his watch, but no action to prevent the next. We will not allow this to be our future. We will keep our kids safe. Unquote. However, the office for the state senator, Donna Campbell, a Republican in the bill's sponsor, told ABC 13 that the kits are meant for parents to use if a child goes missing. The Epoch Times has contacted Abbott's office for comment. No comment. If you needed another reason to not attend an American K-12 school, I think we're way past Exhibit Z. We're now going back to the beginning of the alphabet. Let's go back to Exhibit A-1. This right here is it. This is nuts. This is absolutely nuts. Let me shift gears now slightly back to the jabs, and then I'm going to wrap this up. This is a rather impactful meme that I saw. I decided to link it onto my Gab, my Gab page, and I'm just going to read it right here. Rather telling. Again, you've heard me mention this, and this is happening all over the United States, and trust me, these are not the only states where this is occurring. It says the following. It says 19 high schools across the country cancel the 2022 varsity football season. It says, did the lockdown homeschooling and poisonous vax turn our young men into weak soy boys? Here are some of the reasons given for canceling direct from these schools' coaches. And then it's a list of quotes from these coaches, apparently. The first one says, quote, Season canceled due to a high number of injuries the team has experienced. The next one says, due to an overwhelming number of injuries and out of concern for student-athlete safety. Another one says, due to a lack of players is why we've canceled our football season. Weird. Next one says, due to injuries and players quitting the team. Good. The next one says, due to lack of healthy and eligible players and health and registration issues. Hmm. The next one says, due to a low number of participants. The next one says, due to not having enough players. We had just one senior and five juniors on our roster. The next one said, after losing its first two games by a combined 134-0, we decided to cancel the remainder of the season. The next one says the decision was made over the number of players and health concerns regarding the remaining players. And the last quotation, the roster dwindled to the point of not having enough players to safely continue, unquote. I love it. Not the jabbed and the dying. I don't love that. But people recognizing what's going on, I love it. Walking away from the Pig stomach full of air that they hurtle through the air as they wear pajamas. I love it. I love that this is happening. Because when they drop the game, they will pick up learning. That's what will happen. They'll put down a ball and they'll pick up a book. It will happen. It is happening. 
Here are the schools and the states where this is apparently happening. Keep in mind, it's happening in every state, but these are the ones that are just listed in this particular meme. It says Danville High School, Arkansas, Santa Rita High School, Arizona, Sandwich High School. Really? Your high school's named Sandwich? Illinois, Fisher High School, Illinois, Urbana High School, Illinois, Bellevue High School, Kentucky, Algonac High School, Michigan, uh, Oakmoss High School, Michigan, Lincoln Northwest High School, Nebraska, Riverdale High School, New York, North High School, Ohio, Matthews High School, Virginia, Auburn High School, Virginia, Twin Valley High School, Virginia, Manassas Park High School, Virginia, Bland County High School, Virginia, Bradford High School, Wisconsin, Monomi, no chance I'm getting that right, Indiana High School, Wisconsin, and Wakusha, if I'm saying that right, South High School, Wisconsin. Weird. Weird. It's almost like it's jab-related. It's almost like it has something to do with the Great Awakening and people waking up to ball games. I love it. I absolutely love it. I'm going to end with this anonymous post. Because this right here is the answer, ladies and gentlemen. This is why Operation Warp Speed, again, was rolled out. So that we learn from the mistakes of the past and we never repeat them ever again. It says, quote, How can we trust any vaccine slash medication ever again? We know what they are capable of, and we know they are already changing the flu vaccine to be an mRNA type. Who can say they won't do the same with every vaccine in the future? Rubella, chickenpox, measles, polio, etc. How can we trust them? Knowing they willfully and happily produced billions of shots and boosters specifically meant to kill us, kill our children. I'm going full anti-vax, homeopathic from here on out, unquote. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the answer. That's the point of all of this. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.